Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Holiday, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And I am so excited that you came back for week two. And for those of you who are starting today, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. It's going to be great. Just jump in. Traditionally, the goal of Simply Holy Holiday is to help us grow in our holiness during the season. Now, holidays can typically be a time that we check out, but we are intentionally checking in, um, which is definitely countercultural. And we are making a commitment to end the year stronger than we started. And this year I have chosen the theme, Emmanuel, God is with us, because I'm really hoping that we will all be able to grow in our ability to sense the presence of God. I want us to go from, we know that God is with us. That's the truth, right? We know that. But I want it to get from our heads down into our hearts, from information to transformation. I'm even hoping that we will get it to, you know, to our very bones where we really feel his presence. Now we're going to do this in a variety of ways, but the main way we're going to do it is we're going to take these ancient contemplative practices, which are just basically practices that disciples have been using since the Middle Ages, really, and we're gonna try to dust them off and, and modernize them a bit and make them something that is incredibly applicable to your life and that will help you to really experience, experience the presence of God in a way that you maybe haven't before. Now, some of you are really um, you know, well-versed in these old practices, but for some of you, this is the first time that you've ever tried this. So I think it's just gonna be exciting to pull them out and try them and see which ones really fit for you. Um, last week, we started with the examine, the daily examine. Actually, we did two examine exercises. We did one that was the general overall looking at when was the last time that you felt like you were just really in step with the spirit, following God, being able to hear God's voice right in the middle of his will, you know, just feeling great about your spiritual life. And we, we talked about that. Who are you with? What, where, where were you? What were you doing? What, you know, what made that time that way? And then how are you feeling about your spiritual life right now? Where would you say you are right now? And sort of stepping outside of yourself without judging yourself and just sort of looking at that. And hopefully by looking at these two things, you can God can help you to examine what you might want to change right now. And the other contemplative practice we did was the daily examine, which is basically just a time at night where you're able to go through some questions that help you to think through your day with God. Like, when did I feel closest to God today? When did I feel furthest from him? When did I feel like I was really being my authentic, you know, spiritual self? And, or maybe when did I feel like I was back into my fake self? And, you know, these, these questions that you can go through with God and he can kind of direct your thoughts back through the day and help you to see maybe where he is, where he was, and where you can sort of have a better relationship with him tomorrow. So I'm really hoping that you're able to do um, do one of these practices, do an examine at least once or twice this week, or maybe if you did it twice this week, maybe next week, three, four times the next week, who knows, maybe it'll be a growing thing. But I really do think it's a way to grow in your relationship with God, and I really want you to be able to do it at this this beginning time, because it's during this time that I want you to really be able to think, what do I want to do for these 70 days? Um, I realize that we've already had, you know, seven of them, but it's okay. I want you to think through what, do, what am I going to do for these last, what, 63 days? Um, 
you know, for me this year, this nightly examine, that's what I'm going to be doing. I want to offer that to God. I've been trying for so many years <laughs> to change my nighttime routine because I'm totally a morning person. So I get up ready to go and I'm like, you know, great quiet time, have fun, we do all this stuff, you know, and I have a lot of energy. And then by the time I'm getting ready to go to bed, I just like, I sometimes I can't even, you know, I don't even know what my own name is, much less what, what does God want from my life? I don't know. Am I even a Christian anymore? Sometimes I feel like that. So I just fall into bed. So I've been trying to change that for so long. And I think this is the year I'm going to change that. So that is actually my 70 day commitment is to practice the nightly examine. But there's all kinds of things you can do. Um, I heard somebody talk about the possibility of not drinking any alcohol for these 70 days. Or um, some people give up, you know, sweets or a dessert or some sort of thing, some sort of like a fast for these days. Other people commit to fasting once a week. Other people, I mean, I've done in the past, I've done, you know, where I'm like, I am not going to yell in the morning. I'm, I'm not going to give in to that, that part of me. I'm just going to have godly mornings for 70 days with my kids. Um, I've also done where I went back and I had resolution talks with everybody, anybody and everybody that I could. I had as many resolution talks as I could getting resolved with people and just so I could start the new year fresh. That's what we want to do is we want to figure out something that will help us to grow, either something that we're adding in to our life or something that we're giving up, but it's something that'll help us to grow closer to God. So I would, that's what I'm hoping you'll get out of this exam and practice. So be thinking about that. And uh, this week, we're gonna go on to a new practice. And this is gonna be a practice that you can do while you're doing your dishes or while you're driving in your car or waiting in a line or watching your kids play on the playground. But before we do that, I want us to go back to our Psalm. Last week, we started with Psalm 32, and I want us to keep reading. Now, the beginning of Psalm 32 really takes us through that examination process. You know, basically he goes through and figures out what are the things that I need to confess and repent of and he gets he finds that forgiveness and he feels clear and it's awesome so let's pick it up in verse 7 it says you are my hiding place you will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance and that's the psalmist talking to God and thanking him for who he is actually it's David that's doing it we know who it is um, but this is God's response back to him. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous, seeing all you who are upright in heart. Is this not the most beautiful thing? So you hear God's heart here. He wants to instruct us. He wants to teach us. He wants to counsel us. He is going to guide us. And he even says, with my loving eye on you. It's not a harsh teaching. It's not a, you know, get up. Why, why can't you get this kind of thing? No, it's I want to guide you. I want to teach you. I want to be with you. I want to counsel you. He wants to be all those things to you. I would just underline each one of those things. I always like to underline the verbs that God says he's going to do. So to remind myself of all that God is for me. And he doesn't want to have to be controlling us with a bit and bridle. I love that part about the horse and the mule. 
I definitely have been the horse and the mule. I'm definitely the kind of person that sort of had to be like, come on, let's go. I'm not an easy way learner. I'm a hard way learner. So for so many years, I feel like God has had those reins on me trying to teach me where to go, you know, kind of force me this way and that way. But I, I've prayed through the years to become this kind of person that doesn't need that. You know, sometimes rules and regulations can be like this bit and bridle, do this, do that, and it keeps us going this way. And it's not necessarily bad that we have rules and regulations, that's good, but I think God wants us to grow out of that. It's sort of like you grow from obedience, and obedience is a beautiful thing, it really is. Sometimes we just need to obey. You know when you're talking to your kids, and they don't quite understand why you want them to do something, but you're just like, can you just trust me? <laughs> you just need to do it this way. Will you just obey? Because you know you've got their best interest to heart. You know you're looking at your kids like God is looking at you with those loving eyes on them. But sometimes they just need to obey. They're not going to understand. But then there's a deeper thing beneath obedience, and that is really true submission of your heart where you're like, no, I do totally trust you. I want to do things your way. I'm not just doing it. I want to do things your way. And then there's even a deeper level beyond that, you know, from obedience to submission to just excitement where you get to this point where you're like, I can't wait to see what God wants to do today. I just really like, I'm excited. I'm when, you know, when you change your focus from, from having to do things your way, when you take everything, you know, all of your control that you've got, you know, your, your daily planners and your perfect schedules and how you want everything to be. And when you, you throw that away and you go, no more control. I'm going to give God control. I'm going to open my hands and you open your hands and you let God fill them. It is the most exciting life, you know, because you can get up in the morning and you can have goals and you can have things you want to do that day, but you're basically saying, but God, I know you have a better idea. I know you do. You always have a better idea. Help me to remember that, you know, please help me to be a person that will follow you and doesn't have to have the bitten bridle. You know, I, I pray that, that I'm becoming that more and more and more and more. But this is what we are going for, is we're trying to go for this relationship with God where he's walking with us, he's talking with us, he's guiding us, and we're looking to him for everything. Um, so now, before we go on to the practice that's gonna help us to do that, one of the practices that'll help us to do that, I did wanna give you just a short story of how I got to be where I am. Just the short story of me. I don't know if I can do it. I'm going to try. But about a couple of years ago, I started really learning about um, trauma and its effects on us and the, the idea of attachment disorder. Now, so for those of you that are not familiar with attachment disorder, attachment disorder is what happens when a child is neglected or abused because when you have... Um, you know, when you have your baby, when you have a baby, you, you meet all the baby's needs. The baby attaches to you because you, when it cries, you hold the baby. When you, it, you feed the baby, you, you clean them up, you, you take care of the baby. So that grows into a healthy child with a healthy attachment. But when a child has been neglected or abused, they don't have a healthy attachment, which makes really big problems for them later on. Because then, later on, when when they are with a loving family, even when they're with a loving mom and dad, who will be there for them, who's not gonna neglect them, who's not gonna abuse them, they still can't attach. The fear is still there, so they cannot move past it to get to what they want, which they really want that relationship but this keeps them from being able to experience that. 
And um, I had started studying this for my children and I'd run across these really great um, trauma-informed therapists, uh, Brian Post, he's amazing if you, if you wanna check him out. And uh, the Yaffe Institute, which is in, um, in LA, but ran across some really great minds and thinkers in this field. So anyway, that was all in my mind, but I was thinking about it for my kids. And then later I was, I ran across Summer Joy Gross, which I recommended to you her podcast called The Presence Project. And I started listening to her. I didn't, I didn't know anything about her. I just started listening to her on recommendation from another podcast. And all of a sudden she starts talking about attachment therapy. And I was like, wait a second, my world, what is, what's going on? But she is from a totally different um, line of work. I mean, she was an Anglican priest. Okay, that's, that's interesting. And then she became a therapist. And uh, now she does spiritual direction and all this other stuff. But she was really intrigued by this concept of attachment therapy. And so she started talking about it, but she started talking about how um, and she told this exact story, which was sort of weird because I've actually seen this thing play out in my own life. She said, you know, a, a healthy, um, a child with a healthy attachment will be playing on the playground and they run around and they, they fall down and they skin their knee and they're hurt. So they, the first thing they do is they look back at their mom because they, they're attached to their mom and their mom's going to fix it. But a child without a healthy attachment won't do that. And I actually have seen this exact thing happen in my own family where my daughter was running on the playground and she fell and it was a huge fall, her and another kid. The other kid got up and looked to their mom, of course, but she just kept running. You know, because when you don't have a healthy attachment, you don't really have the security to look back like who's gonna be there. And, but she made this point, she said, we need to work on our attachment disorder with our heavenly father. Be, well, really, she said, with our adopted father, and that's what it is. See, I have my adopted father issues, just like my kids have their adopted parent issues. It's hard for them to trust. It's hard for them to get past all that fear. And that's what it is for us, too. We, you know, we're going along our life. We hit, a, we hit a snag or we fall down or what. But sometimes we don't look back to God. We don't go to God at those times. Sometimes we go to ourselves. We'll go to many other things. Maybe we have all of our little, we have our little vices, you know, things that are actually not bad in themselves. But because we run to them, they become bad. I mean, it's the games that we play on our phone. It's the, you know, the wine, really the too much wine that we drink, the too much TV that we watch, too much food that we eat that we run to these things for the wrong reasons nothing's wrong with the things it's the reason that we run to them and because of that we don't develop this healthy attachment with our adopted father and of course this like just I it all clicked for me I was like that is exactly what it is I, I've been focusing on my kids but I should be focusing on my own attachment to my adopted father so I've been working on that and um, it was around a year ago that I told Jay, I said, you know, I've really been trying to work out all of my stuff, you know, with God and work through things, but I feel like my body is just filled with cortisol. And if you don't know what that is, that is just what is produced when your um, sympathetic 
nervous system is just reacting. It, it, it is telling you, it's, it's the fight or flight one. It's the one that tells you, you gotta get out of here, danger, danger, danger. And so it, it produces all this adrenaline and cortisol. And I just felt like, I feel like my body has stored up because of the, of the trauma the, and the intense things that have happened at, in the past couple of years, I just felt like I, even though in my mind I could get over it, my body was keeping the score, like my body was feeling it. And um, I was, it was right about that time that I was looking for something and that's when I um, stumbled across summer. So because of that, I started implementing some of these practices because with someone that has attachment disorder, really the way that you deal with that is just by repetition. You try to calm the child repeatedly because usually their amygdala is all fired up because they are afraid almost all the time. Um, and so you're having to spend a lot of time calming them. I love you. I'll never leave you. You're safe. Right. So you do that. So, you know, try to do it. So, so many times a day, seven times a day, just in the middle of anything. I love you. I'll never leave you. You're safe. Just hug them until they get calm. And I was thinking that is the same way that I need to be with my adoptive father is I need it several times a day. I need repetition of God wrapping his arms around me and saying, you're safe. Everything's going to be okay. I'll never leave you, you know. And so I needed to create some practices that go above just reading my Bible, which you know I'm the Bible is the end-all, be-all for me. Um, I love reading my Bible, and, and sometimes that's just all it takes is just reading a scripture, and oh, I just feel so much better. But sometimes you need something a little bit more experiential that's not just reading or praying, but it's an experience that you have in your body. So um, I started doing this practice called breath prayer. Of course, it's an ancient practice. People have been doing it forever. It actually turns out to be what um, really the rosary, I think, was intended to be, is this sort of repetitive um, praying. So it just so happens that that lines up with all of the brain science that's going on right now, really, and the, the, um, you know, the ways that we try to become mindful of our breathing. So I thought I would explain a little bit about breathing and a little bit about prayer. It's the breath prayer. So, okay, so here's the breathing part. The deal is that you have this nerve that goes from your um, brain all the way down to your colon. It's the longest thing. And it's called the vagus nerve. And it is the parasympathetic nervous system. So you have your sympathetic nervous system that says, fight, there's danger, fight or flight. And then you have your parasympathetic, which is that nerve that says, no, you can rest and digest. That's what we say, rest and digest. So this, whenever we can activate that particular nerve, then we can get to our place, our, 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 our brains to a place of calm. And we do this all the time. Um, I learned this actually for my kids. My kids would do it. I would do it with my children and I could see it happen. So their amygdala would fire up. They're totally in fear. And you know how this is. This happens to you too. It's not just for kids or you know people from sort of traumatic situations. We can get into a panic state. So when that happens, we sit down and if you'll just sit up tall, and you breathe in for a certain amount. If, if you listen to my other recording, you know that you breathe in for say six beats 
then you wanna breathe out for longer. If you breathe in for four beats, you wanna breathe out for eight beats. Um, the idea is that you want to get as all that air out of your body because when you breathe in, it's, it's not relaxing. When you breathe out, that's when all the relaxation comes. That is actually when you, you're, it will slow your heart rate down. And I have these really great, great quotes that I, um, that I learned as I was researching. Um, stimulating the vagus nerve, is, this comes from a Harvard Health log, activates your relaxation responses, reducing your heart rate and blood pressure. And deep breathing turns on the vagus nerve enough that it acts as a break for the stress response. So if we can activate that vagus nerve, it will tell our, our fight or flight, calm down, you're gonna be okay. So when we release all of that, that's when we're really getting the, the um, full benefits of the breathing. So the first part of the breath prayer is really just learning how to breathe. So you wanna take three or four deep breaths before you even start the, the praying part. So I want us to do that right now. So you wanna to get to a place where you can either lay down or you can sit up because you want to be sitting up in your chair, not slumped over, okay? And we're gonna take a breath in. We're gonna probably do this three times. And we're gonna take a breath in for um, four and then we'll let it out for eight. Okay, so let's just close our eyes and go in, and we're gonna breathe in through our nose. And out. And again, in. And really let it out. And breathe in. And now I want you to think about any scripture that comes to mind. I want you to, I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray that you would bring a scripture to mind that will help each person to connect with your presence. One of the, one of the scriptures I like to use is be still and know that I am God. So you would breathe in, be still. So we go, be still. and know that you are God. Be still and know that I am God. Another one I like to use is cast all your anxiety on him he cares for you. So I'd breathe in, cast all your anxiety because he cares for you.
all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And you can just feel how your body relaxes. Your jaw will relax. Your shoulders come down. Your back relaxes. Everything about you gets back in touch with the fact that God is in control. He is protecting you. He has you. He's leading you. He's counseling you. He's teaching you. He's instructing you. You are safe. Isn't it amazing what that does? It's an experience you can have with God. So I am going to be making another um Simply Holy Holiday Companion that you can do and to hopefully guide you through some breath prayer or you can come up with your own breath prayer at any time and that's what I love about this practice is when I feel that anxiety rising in me it could be doing dishes it could be getting dinner ready a lot of times it's getting dinner ready so when I'm getting dinner ready I'll decide I'm gonna breathe while I'm getting dinner ready um, or whatever stressful time you have in your day, see if this week you can do breath prayer through it. It can be an amazing experience. It can be an amazing experience uh, to do in your quiet times in the morning. I've, I've really had so many great times with God that way. But it can also be that way that you connect with him those seven times a day, you know? So you can feel his arms around you He's saying, I love you, I'll never leave you, you are safe. I just want to leave you today knowing that our theme scripture really from Hebrews is that God has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. It's a process, guys. Hang in there, and I'll see you next time.